All right, guys, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Retake Lounge. We are super excited for today's interview. We are finally getting VivTech, Erica, and Ryan on with us. Um, we have some exciting news for you guys um, and just an awesome in-depth discussion on lighting for your reptiles. I'm at some point going to need to let my cat out of here because she's about to knock over my light. I just realized she was in here. Um, anyways... Thanks so much for uh, subscribing and just being a part of us. Um, don't forget to check us out on YouTube, like, subscribe, and comment, um, as well as follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, and don't forget, uh, become a Patreon member if you guys are wanting access to me and Nathan and the rest of our huge Discord community that we have. Uh, we are putting up new content weekly uh, in addition to what we're uh, putting out on YouTube every Friday. Uh, Nathan, what else you got? Just last but not least, just make sure you're a member of US Arc, especially if you're in this reptile community. Support them. Member numbers mean more than ever. And that's what our legislators are looking at. So, yeah. Before we get started, let's go ahead and just hear a little word from our sponsorships. And uh, then we'll be in for the interview. Whether you're just getting into retakes or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake. Have a conversation with him. To learn more or get started, visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brand, own markets, Steward Design helps create them. Uh, Lucas, you're muted. I was muted. Man, I already started. This I'm the is new two Nathan episodes now. in a row. I'm the new Nathan now. Um, by the way, that whole ad segment, I, I, heard, I know Nathan couldn't hear it, and so... I'm just going to like post edit that in there. But anyways, Erica, Ryan, thank you so, so much for joining us. Can you guys hear us? Yes. yes. How's right. it going, guys? Awesome, man. We're, we're super excited to have you guys on. Well, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah. How was your new year? I put down my book. <laughs> <laughs> how was your guys' New Year's? It was good. We just kind of hung out at the house with the kids, kind of had a chill, uh, chill New Year's, and then uh, New Year's Day went over to Erica's parents and 
her uh, sister and brother-in-law and nephews are there, and we all just kind of hung out and had dinner and good easy day. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel like ever since I moved here to Texas, I've laid low on New Year's, and it re- makes me feel way older than I am. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we cracked open the uh, apple cider for them. Oh, yeah. The sparkling apple cider for them. And yeah, I got to tell, like, yeah. told them all when I was, I was like 15, like well, 14, 13. I was a kid. We'd go to Walgreens and get How those. How is this number getting get, lower every time you tell a story? Because they put them in the paper bag, and then me and my buddies would go oh, down to the park old. and drink them out of the bag and feel all awesome. And then and then a cop stops you, and then... <laughs> we were drinking non-alcoholic apple cider and felt like total wimps. I was a total right. hockey nerd growing up, so I used to like to get them when I was a kid and spray them. Nice. <laughs> we're not going to let the kids watch this podcast now. Really <laughs> oh, man. Um, so if you guys don't mind, I just want to give you guys the floor. Um, Erica, Ryan, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Introduce VivTech products. Um, give us kind of an inside scoop of what you guys do, and then we'll dig into asking some questions. I always do it. You do it. <laughs> all right apparently not all right so i'm ryan mcveigh and this is my amazing wife erica um uh we VivTech products man so VivTech started as a uh just a need out of a need i realized being in the reptile industry for a long time that uh there was a big just difference in how other hobbies kept animals and like the different stages of equipment and things that went along with it and with reptile it was kind of all the same thing the same bulb you use for a leopard gecko you could have on a five thousand dollar lace monitor there's no there was no differentiation and there was a lot of opportunity for some really unique technology to come step up and 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 improve husbandry so that was that opportunity and uh we kind of decided to jump at it and that was after i left uh uh managing uh, working as the marketing brand manager for zilla uh for six years and i ran that brand and it was a lot of fun i learned a on. Um, but I just saw a bigger, you know, I, I saw a bigger opportunity and we decided to kind of jump at it. So that's, I guess that's. Usually this is a lot like smoother. So. Yeah, it's been a couple. Yeah, weeks. he's a little rusty on giving the whole story apparently. So it, was, it wasn't as smooth as it normally is. Well, Erica, let, let's hear it. Let's hear it. You know, there's always two sides to the story. So, Erica, give us your pitch. So VivTech actually did come out of a need, but also a want in the reptile and exotic pet industry. So one of the big things we wanted to do is bring the new technology from, you know, what's actually happening in, you know, the 2000s rather than the bulb that Edison created into the reptile world, but also into the avian market and into the exotic mammal market as well as corals. So we wanted to find a way that was safe that was affordable and actually had longevity longer than, you know, six months. So that we're not just um, consuming all of these bulbs and then putting them into landfills because that's actually harmful for the environment with all the phosphorus, mercury and things like that. So that was a big one for us. And then also on top of it, we wanted to be able to allow keepers that were in like that advanced stage to like, I'm an expert and a god. We wanted those people to also have different types of equipment that they could actually utilize. Like our bulbs now, retix can beat them up. They're not going to die. Our smart the re- cameras. The bulb, not the retic. Yeah, well, well they won't. The retic will beat but, itself up. Yeah, <laughs> but like our smart tech monitor or um, smart tech cameras, 
We wanted those to be durable, but we want them to be high quality, high definition, so that you can actually see your rare animals like our crocodile tagus doing courtship behaviors. Those are things you're not gonna be able to see. And if you get something that's easily hacked by somebody else, then you got something that's grainy and then you might have somebody else looking at your stuff or you walk in in your reptile room in your underwear. Which is right. usually how I walk into the reptile room. Same. See, my pinch had underwear. Of that's why people will remember it. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 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 for one, am thankful for what you guys are doing. And I mean, just from like a small sample size, what I'm really excited for about the LED lights that you guys are producing is that they emit like minimal heat. And for someone like me who keeps my room ambient temperature, any light that I put in my enclosure is going to drastically <clears throat> increase the ambient inside that enclosure. And that ruins everything when it comes to retakes, when it comes to breeding, when it comes to them pushing their faces in. Um, you know, and a bunch of different aspects. And so LED lighting, I really do think, I mean, LED lighting is the future of lighting. And now that you guys are bringing it into the reptile industry and trying to enhance it and make it as good as possible for me, it's just like lights out. Um, the camera is awesome as well. I want to get my hands on one. I want to put them inside my tubs and my, my, uh, egg tubs i want to be able to yeah. actually yep. like i think it would be awesome to watch like a pure kalatoa or like different pure locality um and just have that footage to be able to share with the world because not a lot of people have seen you know pure localities like in the moment pipping coming out of the egg doing all that in fairness most people haven't actually seen eggs pipping before or um for like lizard keepers i know this is a retic one but for like lizard keepers they don't get to see like the little subtle movements of the shakes of the eggs right before they hatch and then one comes out and then they all start coming out like they don't get to see that they get to see the end result where it's you know half of them are out or the noses are already out yeah well and right. the camera for me it was, like she said the courtship behavior that was one of the coolest things that happened a couple weeks ago i don't even know what uh, a croc tegu is what, there's, what only like, angry. there's only like eight of them in the u.s um, that's pretty insane pair, there's a couple other pairs out there um they're an unbelievably weird lizard. They're a little tiny tagu. They that... kind of look like a plated lizard almost in body <laughs> style. They kind of, yeah, amoeba-ish, which are taids, so I mean it makes sense. But yeah, they're they're mean as hell. They <laughs> bite the crap out of you. They drop their tail the second you look at them wrong. Um, they're super secretive and never come out. But they sail tail whip you. Yeah. Then the little come off. <laughs> um, but no, they're awesome animals, and but they're very shy. So for the first year we had them, we never saw them out. The no, first time, they were dead. actually, the first three times we saw them out basking was through the camera, because um, if we were in the room, they didn't come out. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was going through our camera footage, just checking. I like to see anytime there's movement. Whether are they eating? Where are they going? What are they doing? Um, where does she spend most well, of yeah, her time? Yeah, because they tried that new diet that we made, so we wanted to see if they were eating. Yeah, you know, see too. if they were eating this new diet. And we looked, and I was going through the footage, um, and I actually caught uh, our our. What did you do? I didn't do anything. It's Can Lucas and Nathan's fault, guys. Not us. <laughs> I'll be the scapegoat. With my with my with, with my with my two year old daughter, I need no, but scapegoats. No, we're gonna meet the next Nathan and then just be like you. No, you gotta be careful. If you, if you come up for Tinley or something, come to the house. If you walk in, you'll get you'll get. Your name is not Lucas or Nathan. Just make up a new name. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zimbabwe. Um, <laughs> so um, we were talking about the cool really rare aspects of yeah. crocodile no croc tegus 
Am Crocodile I, tegus. Yeah. Crocodile tegus. Um, Nathan's trying to get a picture of them on yep. the screen. No, I, I, I'm getting it right now. Perfect. So go ahead. Because um, yeah, I've never seen one, and that's that's pretty awesome. So most people <laughs> haven't, and they're super secretive. So every single time we went into the enclosure, I'd have to, like, pull everything out and dig them out to find them and check on them. And the second you get a hold of them, they start tail whipping and trying oh, to bite oh, and rip oh. your fingers off, and they just want to run away and drop their tail. So it's it's a huge negative to try and get in there and touch them at all. Um, so the camera was a huge, huge, huge help in being able to see how they were utilizing their cage, where they were hiding and spending their time, um, their behaviors and things like that. And then we got to catch, and I have video, um, and I can share this with you guys later. I'll just send it to you. But I actually caught them um, in, doing some mating behaviors and courtship behaviors. Um, and the female uh, lifted up her legs and actually accepted the male's courtship behaviors. And then the camera went out. And I, so I don't know if they like moved off screen just enough where it stopped moving and it turned off um but yeah so we're uh we're hoping for some croc tagu eggs this year is that be because cool. your is that because your app for the the uh the, is there like a an explicit content that you have to check off on the app in order to see <laughs> the rest of it go off? Uh, maybe i didn't i didn't i didn't it was a paywall like, you only got to see that much yeah didn't sign up for her only fans yeah i didn't sign up for her only fans so. right um, but no, that, that is, um, yeah, that, that's awesome. I, let, let me ask you guys this. Um, and I, I've talking to both of you a little bit, you know, when we met in our zoom meeting and I love, absolutely love how much your, both of your passion radiates in terms of, um, lighting for these animals and this idea of like, yeah, sure. Certain species can, live, you know, or just, you know, they can survive, um, you know, without it. But um, what is it about lighting that really makes you two tick that you guys are trying to advance it? So this one is lighting was a big itch. It was a big one for me. Um, I, I've been hounding UV lighting and talking about UV lighting for over a decade. Uh, when it comes to animals in captivity and doing my own research on them for about uh, on it and studies uh, in, in our home for about the past seven to eight years, um, just seeing how different animals react to it and things like that and researching every freaking paper. I mean, me and Erica have stacks of papers on UVA and UVB and reptiles. binders now. <laughs> binders of articles I organized on it. it. <laughs> but uh, it's, for me, it's um, it really clicked for me once I realized how uv how how beneficial and necessary uva is in the hormonal regulation especially with serotonin and natural behaviors and things like that and that hit me really hard because um i suffer from depression and that's a serotonin dopamine imbalance so i totally understand feeling that feeling that way and real it, it just that moment it hit me that all of my animals in captivity that i don't i'm not giving access to that wavelength of light feel like I do when I'm depressed. Ironically, that triggered depression. But <laughs> <laughs> so. well, like that, right. that's an awful, well, all of a sudden to just be like, I feel like I'm doing amazing. And then in one moment, just realize that all of my animals are suffering this, not suffering sadness or crushing anxiety. It's a, it's not that kind of depression. No, it's, it's lack of appetite. Not wanting to of... get up and move, not being lethargic, not having that, that energy to go. You know, it's like having that buddy that's depressed, on sit on the couch, doesn't want to leave, eats crap food. And that spirals into health issues and so many other issues that compound because of that. And 
as soon as that clicked in my head, I immediately saw it in every animal I saw. Every bearded dragon that sits under a heat light all day and doesn't move. They don't do that in the wild, and that's not a natural thing. Then you look at how fat they are and the muscle wasting and lack of energy and movement and how just unnatural for a wild animal that likes to run around and eat and forage and utilize its environment to just sit there all day. Or is, another one was um, green iguanas. Green iguanas and, you know, your house are one way. And a lot of people are like, oh, they're tractable and, like, I can play with them and stuff like that. And then you take them outside and people, you usually hear the reports of people saying that the animal became more aggressive or tried to take off immediately mm -hmm. and, it, you know, got brighter colors. And that's not a coincidence. It's, you know, because it actually got UVA. Yeah. So that really kind of started me down that path that along with the fact of my whole goal in keeping these animals is because I can't go I never thought I would be able to go to every single country that these things come from you know and go see them all and the the whole thing is if we can keep these guys in captivity that's incredible and we get this opportunity to view a, like a, a window literally a window into their life but what good of a window is it into their natural behaviors in their life if we're distorting their natural behaviors? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, I think we see it a lot in, in retics. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen people's collections or people take pictures. But, you know, I, of just a retic in a smaller enclosure without light just sitting in the same place. Mm -hmm. Day in, so, day out, day in, I got... day out. Yeah. I just got a really cool picture actually from a zoo that just started installing our lighting and I was down there. Um, Send that picture over to us because I'll, 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 I'll post edit it into this. Oh, perfect. Yeah, dude, it's a, it not, gosh, she's got to be 19 feet. She's oh, this big around. Uh, big, big retic in this huge enclosure that goes down into the floor. It's, it, it's really cool. Um, nice. And she like hung out the entire for like two months, and it's kind of coming into their cold, the cold season, so it's still a little chilly, and they can feel it. So like, she's kind of just been hunkered down into her cave with all her lighting, and this one Vivtech light was way up at the top on this ledge in the other opposite corner, uh, and it took a while for her to come out. But uh, I just got a picture from the zoo the other day of her up there, coiled all the way sitting underneath it. There's no heat up there. There's nothing. There's no reason for her to want to be up there under the other than that one light bulb, and she's Is this up there. The basking one that also it. sent us a picture of the toad, the angry toad. Yeah, yeah, toads, toads bask under our light, like literally That's come up to it and bask. Them on it. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah, they got sold on it because of the toad that just. Yeah, I got a call from the curator. Toads don't bask. What's going on? And I'm like, let me tell you what's happening. She's like, no, we turned it off and he hid. And the next day we turned it on, he came out for 12 hours and stood there. But if you don't turn the light on, he doesn't come out. What's going on? And I'm like, well, let me tell you what's happening with this toad and his brain. <laughs> so, so for someone getting into just messing around with your lights, uh, what would be like your best piece of advice for them? Installing just general things you think they may run into. Because me and Nathan, did, me and Nathan need this advice because we just got your lighting and we need, we need to know what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, do we need to like cage these things off? Are they free to just be like running into them? They can, they can. Sorry, idiot dogs. You're good, you're good. Screaming and whimpering and being idiots. Well, you... Hey, <laughs> come here, lay down. All you're gonna start fighting or being dumb. For um, the record, we hit 
the it was a towel on there. It's not the dogs for anybody watching. <laughs> Stop <laughs> smacking them. Uh, no, so really when it comes to our lighting, the, there's a couple cool things about it. One, uh, it has a quartz cover over the LEDs, so the light can get through there. Quartz doesn't filter out any of the UVA or UVB. Uh, so and please then do not take that out. Yes, it's transmissible glass. Don't take it out. And it's got a screw-on cover that holds that tight in there, so that stops dust from getting up into the LEDs. Uh, it also makes it, it's not waterproof, but it makes it splash resistant. So you, your mister can spray the crap out of that bulb. It's going to be fine. It won't do Two anything. Two minutes solid and no harm. <laughs> and then uh, because it, they don't get hot, you can install them inside the enclosure. Um, and you don't have to cage them or anything. I actually don't like caging bulbs unless I have to. Even heat lights, in certain instances, I won't cage. Um, with a snake or something, absolutely. But with my Varanids, I actually don't cage my heat lights because if they... If, if they touch it, they're immediately going to know it's hot. They learn and they don't touch it again. Um, if I cage it, then they'll hang on it and fall asleep, and then they burn themselves. Um, so with that kind of thing, like, yeah, I, I, you don't really need to cage them. Um, actually, I just installed a light in, uh, it's a Stonewash Bradley, and I put her in. She's in like an 18, 18, 24, just a little baby. She's yeah, she's a little baby. And, uh, and she... <laughs> I walked away and came back a half hour later. She's basking on the light. She's <laughs> up on it, warming up, just sitting up there. So, yeah, so that's the nice thing. You have to worry about, like, and that, that makes it even better because you know, anytime you can avoid the, the UV light going through a screen or going through something is best. So straight from the bulb to the animal is the best way to get any source of UV. Anything it goes through is going to degrade it or reduce the amount of output. Um, so with these bulbs, because the animal can touch them and they're not hot and they're not going to hurt them, you can really install them inside almost any enclosure. And then, like you said, it's not going to raise the temperature so it doesn't mess with your habitat parameters. The nice part is that um, animals that are more prone to like flicker responses from like the lights, so when you video your if you're videoing your enclosure and then you play it back in slow motion, you can see like a strobe light effect. Mm -hmm. Your animals can also see that. And think of it like if you're in a strobe light area, it's painful to be in sometimes. Yeah, fluorescent and lighting. Are, it's awful. Exactly. And these are well, what these animals I are. I like going to clubs. <laughs> but these are what these animals are staying under. And with a previous one that we could use, um, our Varana spinulosis, which is spiny neck mangrove monitor, I yes. think. <laughs> anyway, they were actually like literally like ripping them out of their sockets. They were getting rid of it. They were burying them into the substrate. One of them learned to put it in his water dish. Yep. Because then I would have to take it apart to dry it out for like a couple days. And yep. then when we switched to our VivTech ones, they have no problems. They come right out. They flatten themselves in a different way. So there's different basking behaviors that it'll start to see between temperature basking and UV basking. And they don't bother the lighting at all. So it also is a lot better for animals that are a little bit more skittish, um, especially if they're more prone to being eaten by birds. So this is really like a nice option for those species too. Awesome. Um... I got a question for you, and this is a noob question and something that I don't remember uh, fully. Um, you know, that's the great thing about, like, having you guys on. And this is, you know, mine and Nathan's podcast that we're doing, and we always talk about on here that we're not experts. We're always willing to learn. Like, we're having you guys on, and this is purely educational for us. Um, and so um, 
So one thing that I see hyped all the time, like 24-7 when it comes to lighting, everybody, is UVB. UVB, UVB, UVB. So can you explain a little bit about what UVB is? And then also, is there any other UV spectrum other than B? Because I'm assuming if they have a UVB, you know, maybe it's A through Z. I don't know. Um, I'm assuming there's other letters in there. So can you just talk about that and just give our listeners some informative content, you know, without taking us into like the fifth hour of the episode, because I'm sure you can <laughs> do this forever, but I got this. All right. So we'll run oh, it yeah, backwards. Was, there's, was, there's... That, was, was that more, was that more of like a self hype? Like I, I, I got this. <laughs> I can do this. Now... <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, I can explain it. Not five hours. Yeah, I will explain it in not five hours. Um, generally, generally when we're talking about ultraviolet lighting, so ultraviolet lighting is everything that is shorter wavelength lighting from south of the visual spectrum of violet, purple. So past that, what we can see. The other way, you go red. So it's red through purple, right? So ultraviolet is that way. So that's under, <laughs> under 400 uh, nanometers in wavelength. Um, ultraviolet light's broken up into pretty much four sections. You have uh, UVZ or X or um, non-terrestrial UV. Then you have UVC, UVB, and UVA. So UVZ or X or whatever you want to call it, we're never going to see. You're, it doesn't get through the ozone. The only way to ever come in contact with it is to go into outer space and then go outside of a craft. And You'd then, have to be an astronaut. Yeah, you're never going to see it. <laughs> and then UVC is also filtered by the ozone. Um, but UVC is naturally created by fluorescent bulbs, mercury vapor bulbs, tons of other different bulbs. Um, and it's actually used in sterilization. So when you have a hospital sterilizer or your fish steril sterilizers and fish systems, um, those use UVC. And UVC... Oh, sterilizing like... like they, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, like the ones they were using okay. for during COVID, like the hype of COVID, they were selling those wands or like the toothbrush container. Yeah. Gotcha. That's UVC lighting. Yep. Okay. So that breaks down biological material and d degrades DNA and things like that. So that doesn't um, sound good it, for animals. No, it's bad for animals. <laughs> it's good for us if like you're trying to clean water to drink. It doesn't kill the things in the water. It just makes it so those things can't reproduce. And if they can't reproduce in your system, they can't create enough of a bioload to make you sick. So that's how that works. So that's what UVC is. Then you have UVB, and that's what everybody talks about with reptiles. And what we end up, the UVB and UVA are very similar to how we look at uh, health in the United States and just in humanity. Um, physical health, if someone pull, let's say someone pulls in, you pull up to a store, and you see someone pull into a handicapped spot, and they get out and just walk right into the store. The first thing you do is they're like, what? That should be safe for somebody with a handicap. <laughs> Like Start smashing doing, windows. Right, like people get mad, but at the same time, you don't. It's it's physical health and physical visual like uh, uh, negative things happening to us versus mental health, internal health, things that are are, are under the surface. Which um, is UVA. Kind of, which is UVA exactly. Okay. So when you're looking at UVB, UVB, that we. Was a strange, strange metaphor. It's the stigma between mental health and physical health within. Within our our own system, I and get then, it. We, that we, one would have been a better both. one than the than yeah, the handicap. It, well, so here's the, no, no, hold on. So it's the whole <laughs> the whole idea that with physical health in general, we give it more weight. We give a someone that has lost what we can see. a limb more weight as a detriment than someone like Erica's dealing with migraines. That's a hard thing to show, other than she has a headache. So like. That's a, something that can completely knock her out, but it's hard to see. So again, th that's kind of what we look at with B and A. With UVB, 
if the animal with most many animals or reptiles that we keep need UVB in order to synthesize vitamin D3, which is needed to uh, metabolize the calcium that they're getting through their diet and use it in their bodies. Without UVB, they can't do that. And then they eventually slowly degrade. They start pulling calcium out of their bones. They become hypocalcemic, calcemic, get what we all, we've always referred to as metabolic bone disease. Um, and then eventually they die. Because they slowly degrade, they have physical ailments you can see, and then death as a result, we understand that UVB is very necessary. However, even with UVB, most people argue that it's only necessary for animals that die if they don't have it. Right. <laughs> which die like, quickly. Die quickly if they don't have it. Like, which, yes, that's a bare minimum requirement for those animals, but all living things utilize UVB lighting. Birds and slipper geckos, it's, you know, just assumed that they last maybe, what, 10 years? Yeah. In captivity. And then you're tapped out and you're like, hey, I got 11 years. This is pretty good. There's no reason that they can't live longer. Ball pythons live longer than, you know, 18, 19 years. I have a friend who's got one in the higher 30s, almost 40. So with good care and proper proper care, they can live longer. And so we're finding that animals that have the quick death syndrome from not having UVB are the ones that always get the attention and really drive the campaigns. But the slower death ones, such as the poor leopard gecko, the crested gecko, the ball python, things like that, aren't necessarily getting um, the drive for UVB. Right, yeah. so that's, but that's what it is. But there's studies out there that corn snakes utilize UVB to synthesize D3. Massasauga rattlesnakes use synthesize D3 with UVB. Um, there's so many different animals that you would that people say don't need it that do utilize it. Even like Komodo dragons, which eat huge meals, have to have access to UVB because they can't get enough D3 from their meals. So even so, zoos that have Komodo dragons have to be able to let them outside because they have to get natural sunlight. They they can't they don't get enough UVB. Uh, to, to not have natural sunlight. And the current models that were out before LED, before our LEDs, wasn't able to actually provide enough. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and then, so that's UVB. And then you have UVA. And UVA starts to get into the endocrine system and hormones and serotonin management, oxytocin management. Um, but real, the easiest way to, to, to explain UVA is when you walk outside and it's a sunny day and it hits your face and you just feel a little bit better, versus a day where it's cloudy and rainy and crappy and then you just kind of feel uh, and you just go on with your day. That yeah, I mean, seasonal have, seasonal yeah. affective disorder is like a real thing. Like people yeah. who live in Alaska and people who live in, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, you know, I higher rates of depression. People are bulbs to Alaska. Even in the I'm Mountain so West, when, when we have all of our like winter months when it's just, you know, covered in smog and, and yeah. uh, snow. You know, a lot of us start supplementing with lights too. Exactly. And those those mood lights and those lights to help with First that calls are same. literally UVA emitting lights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan, your your sleeves tripping me out. It's like the same color as your shirt. Where does it begin? Right. Like I, th I thought it was, I thought you were literally wearing a long sleeve because your little like name tag is blocking the rest of your arm. Nope. <laughs> That's what I thought too. Nope. It's. It's an illusion. <laughs> it's an illusion. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, so, okay. So, just to recap, UVC, stay the stay the hell away from. Um, no, don't. 
That's bad. Yeah, don't and don't you introduce will never that. Naturally, be exposed to it unless you're yeah. a solar flare. Yep. Right. Um, UVB is for physical appearance. That's kind of like your handicap parking and and a bearded dragon that is going through metabolic bone disease. Like they would use the handicap spot for sure. Yep. Oh my um, God! Why? Did and we wouldn't be that? mad. Because exactly, calcium. and we wouldn't be mad. But but if a bearded dragon just like leisurely walked into the store using the handicap, then we'd be pissed. Um, and then UVA is for that deeper mental health enrichment, that kind of feel good feeding, like, like you said, increasing serotonin, dopamine. There's no reason, and and I'm ignorant on this, um, which I probably shouldn't be considering my my career field, but um, I, I wonder if there's studies on snakes and different things in regards to dopamine, serotonin, um, you know, the that prevalence. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and that's the thing is, I don't think there'd be if there were a lot out there. I'm sure I would have found them by now because I'm I'm a big nerd for neurotransmitters and physiobiology and all that stuff. But um, well, up until not too long ago, most reptiles were just seen as dumb, prehistoric, well, they non-thinking. Snakes or lizards have play behavior, and we literally watch our Varanus spinulosus now that they're under our lights. We have a trio, and one of them plays with, with the dog. our Frenchie. Like, we'll go up to the enclosure and be like, what, what? And then, like, run this way, run that way. The other two don't want anything to do with it. But that one actually, the moment he walks in, exhibits play behavior. Yeah. And that's That's something that for a very long time, it wasn't thought that they could actually exhibit play behavior. The only ones I think they thought could was crocodilians because they did some more studies on that. And then they found out that they even like classical music. Toke's play. Yeah. Baby Toke's play with their parents. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Like the most vicious, psychotic gecko that wants to eat your face is the sweetest dad on the planet. <laughs> Hell, science science hardly wanted to find out that snakes had clitorises until this point. Right, that and and is, go figure, it yeah. took a woman to find it. <laughs> As Erica walks away. Right. Yeah, but no, but like, so even, even just not even just, so the hormonal stuff and the, and the, and the endocrine balancing and all that, um, is awesome, but it, that's not even the only thing UVA does. So the, the other things is like, they can see it. All, almost all reptiles, many of them can see UVA. Actually, some of them can even see into the UVB spectrum. Um, and, uh, Black which turtles. is super freaking cool. Uh, so they can actually regulate their UV based on their sight, which is cool. Um, but the other, so, and then as a lot of people have noticed over the past couple, probably again, five, six, seven years, there's been a lot of more papers about bioluminescence in reptiles. And then it expanded out to bioluminescence in all these different, even mammals. Um, yeah. And what that, and it's bioluminescence, but not in like, don't think about the algae where you like you walk through the water and it grows and you can see it. <laughs> yeah. That's like what that. everyone first <laughs> thinks of. Exactly, I thought, I thought of like, Moana. <laughs> they don't they don't glow I in the dark. <laughs> Bioluminescent algae. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but but uh, so they can they can see that. Um, and then but what we're seeing with the bioluminescence in the in the animals is actually under UVA wavelengths that they can see that. In broad daylight, they can see that. We can. And it makes sense. So you look at like two small little desert geckos on two dunes away from each other. They can see each other. I can't see them. They're the same color as the sand and they're this big, but they can see each other because they glow to each other. Well, there's also the pheromone trail. So um, for a long time, it was believed that like snakes especially could only follow pheromone trails 
um, with their Jacobson's organ. And that if they didn't have, obviously, like, a working tongue or a working Jacobson's organ, they were at a severe disadvantage. It turns out that they can also see the pheromone trails of conspecifics or even, like, prey items based on UV spectrum. So that is something that we never gave a lot of, like, thought into. But the UVA spectrum is not only important for things, but it's also an honest indicator of health because the way that the UV reflects off of an animal, they have no control over that. And so when another one sees it, it's actually an honest indicator of health whether the, rather than them just being like, hello, I'm pretty. I just I just had like an epiphany moment. Like I don't know if you guys have ever had to to go through like feeding a bunch of hatchling uh, snakes before, um, but oftentimes you'll have those that bite constrict and then they're just young and dumb and they can't find the head and then the rat cools down and then then you just wake up the next morning and you're like oh it's there. I'm almost wondering if like if there was a way to get UV lighting into their enclosures, if that would actually reflect off of the animal and it would be easier for them to find. So there are no official studies on UVA and feeding response, um, but there are a lot of anecdotal, uh, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that it actually does improve poor appetite um, animals, but appetite and poor feeders, that's where I wanted. You're not helping with this. You're just kind of scared. I'm just letting you go. You um, got this for poor feeders, and it is because they can see their prey differently. So that's how they learn what to eat and what not to eat, is because they're looking for the UVA bouncing off of it, and it helps them with prey selection. And if you're huh. curious on how I know a lot of this, it's also from these two new books that just came out. Oh, I, th I thought you were gonna pull out one of your binders. Yeah, <laughs> Social Lives of Reptiles. This is actually, she was showing me a lot of this. I'm gonna have to read it after, now that she read it, but you're it's actually read super it. cool. You're gonna read the highlighted parts. Well, yeah, you just highlight all the parts I need to know. That's there you go. First. Um, so what, what I think is great about everything that you're saying is like, the idea of the statement that you guys were making of like, every animal and living organism utilizes uva and uvb and like it, it's kind of common sense if we break it down because they live outside so they're mm -hmm. doing something with it <laughs> right yeah. unless they're like a cave dwelling never seeing the sun um or or those crazy um you know fish that live so far down that they're super ugly um you know oh. but 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 at the end sorry um at the end of the day <laughs> though like viewers don't worry <laughs> 90 like 95 percent of the animals that we're keeping in captivity probably even more than that um there it's got to serve a function because they're so, out in the wild using it even fossorial animals do have access in the wild to uv whether it's because something just dug their ass up and that's why or because they come up at some point they do come up and then move and then go back under is that they the fancy is that the fancy way to describe ugly sea creatures no, like, fossorial is that what they are no, is that is that what you're is when they're under the as i'm making so many motions, under the dirt they're under the dirt okay. okay um so they're like the tunneling species your gotcha. sand boas um sunbeam snakes jesus i just like lost my thought completely calabar burrowing pythons there you go he's got the list um, Sicilians. you guys are great reptile, but yes <laughs> this is why we complete each other's random tangent thought. Um, um, where the hell is that going? I don't know. Oh, so the fossorial animals actually do get to um, interact with UV, 
but a lot of it isn't direct UV. You're not going to necessarily see them just laying out there and being like, hey, I'm sunbathing. They're actually getting refracted UV. And so we're not taking into consideration in a lot of our um, husbandry endeavors, refracted light because it bounces off of stones. It bounces off of tile if you use tile. Um, but it bounces off the stones, tile, sand, because of all the quartz in it and silica, it bounces off of that. It even bounces off of water. And yes, your animals that live in water can still use UVB and UVA because UVA goes right through water and UVB does just not quite as much. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think just, that... I think just it. as a side note, so, and this is something I didn't get to say on uh, recently on, that I, on a different forum that I wanted to say. Um, <laughs> we can continue as a hobby to argue about whether the animals need UV or not, but the reality is, like, what we're asking is, can this animal stay alive without it? Not, will it thrive and does it do well and are we keeping them ethically and, and, and in a way that enhances all their natural behaviors, just, will it be not dead? Yeah. And that's the cutoff. And will it and the- still... Speaking really? of cutoff, <laughs> speaking of cutoff, um, but I, I think that's a, a great question that needs to be like, I, yeah. I, I've, I've talked about this, like on our fireside chat that we had that our Patreon viewers got to see, um, which by the way, if you are not a member of our Patreon, there's an awesome chat that we had um, at an Arlington show um, talking about all this lighting and cool stuff that I forgot because for many reasons. Elgato. That's El me. <laughs> it's gonna come back. Just that like... is, you are the cats. <laughs> um, but and and oh, and that's why, that's why we wanted to have you guys on to talk about this because, I think what we saw a lot of early days in retail keeping was convenience for the keeper. Yep. Yeah. Um, still do. Well, yeah, I, I was getting there. Jeez. Sorry. I, um, I think we see that in all reptiles, but oh yeah, yeah especially when it comes to large constrictors. Right. Um, it's convenience because, you know, my mindset, I'm thinking like, okay, retics, um, crazy feeding response. They get big, um, really inquisitive and social. So that's convenient for us when we want them out and they're nice. Um, but when it comes to like husbandry, um, everything is as, as convenient and easy as possible because people who want to breed these animals usually end up having way too many and don't give them um, the, the, you know, they, they're not trying to make them thrive. And so, um, when we had that conversation early on, it sparked this, um, man, Ryan, why are you messing with it? It was perfect. Did, there we go. Uh, uh, okay. Come back. We're back. All right. We're back. Leave it. He was Stop messing with touching. the settings. <laughs> this is the um, engineer. I don't know issue. why it keeps doing that. <laughs> this is why marrying an engineer is difficult sometimes. Because yeah. Because you can't just let it sit. He has to fix it. Um, so it, it really changed and challenged the way that I thought about like, you know, retics. So one big driving force that's kind of encouraged me to try and do more for my animals is a lot of these newcomers that are coming into the hobby and they're like buying these super dwarf retics and they're buying retics and they're showing all of us out by getting these massive naturalistic, beautiful enclosures. And then the people who've been doing this for a long time are just like, uh, I keep them in a four foot vision. Um, right. And so, um, that kind of, that drove this passion of like, how can I, you know, I am a breeder. I do breed. And so I do have more than just two retics in my garage, right? And so I want to be able to, of course, make my process streamlined, but still find a way to where my animals are still getting the maximum potential of health and enrichment that they can absolutely get. Um, because 
um, my my biggest fear, and that drives me to be, uh, a, a, you know, better in terms of like being a breeder and keeping retics is to not fall into the trap of like having a bunch, neglecting them. You know, the same thing that we see a lot of people who, who, you know, are massive in the industry and just pumping these animals out and just neglecting their animals. And so when we had that conversation, I was like, why not do lighting? Like what? Like it's literally the, the, the difficulty to go through is spending a little bit more money, which let's be realistic. Most retic breeders out there, you don't need another retic. You can, you can buy lighting for your snakes and all you have to do is just screw four things in and mount the light in. And it's not really that hard to do. And the potential, like, if you don't do it, we don't know. Like, your snake might die at 15 years because it doesn't have the UVA and UVB. If you do do it, the snake can still get away. There's no harm, no foul. All you're doing is increasing the potential for more enrichment, better health, better mental health. Um, and that's exactly why um, we wanted to have you on and introduce our affiliate sponsorship that you guys have been so awesome to bring us along this so well and so retic pythons and i think you guys this would be one this might be a, a a huge benefit to these bulbs in the uva that we're talking about um retic pythons in captivity um unfortunately generally become obese and overweight um just a lack of ability to move around a lot and they're a very big animal so they hold weight they also try um, to keep them like burns right oh, and then that then that generally leads to a lot of dystocia and egg binding so you get a lot of egg binding in Hot these bigger butter. snakes um and uva is 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 a has a direct correlation to oxytocin management in the animal system um and we've actually uh uh, there's a company using our bulbs on all of their breeder animals, and they actually had one of their animals that was egg bound. It was a small agama um, that was egg bound, and they were waiting for it to uh, push out the rest of her eggs. It had been about four days. So they decided to try our bulb and see if it would make a difference. And the next day, she laid all the eggs. That's insane. We actually have um, some Europlatus that came in, and again, same kind of issue, you know they came in, they had eggs already that were developing. And but we have no idea how far along they are or any of that. And one of the females wasn't looking as good as she should have been because she was trying to develop eggs. We threw her under our sure sun. Um, we actually put her under our first call because it's a lower UVB um, amount, but a higher UVA. And she came out immediately full-blown bass, like full-body bass, and then it would cryptically bass. So she'd have, like, her tail hanging out right where the light <laughs> is so she could get it. Or, like, she put her little nose out or her toe. Because people don't understand, they don't need large amounts of their body. So when you're doing thermal regulation, you need to have a large amount of your body exposed to the heat or exposed to the cooler side to allow for that thermal regulation. With UV, you don't need a large amount. You only need a small amount to actually get the benefits from it, which is why cryptic basking is such an amazing thing. Otherwise, all those shade-dwelling animals, so like anoles that live in the branches, peacock monitors that live in the branches, boiga for heaven's sake, they would never have any UVB effects because they have all the scattered light coming through. So cryptic basking is like literal proof that you only need to have a small amount exposed, which is why we also recommend the spotlight for things like for animals like retics. 
so that they can put like a small amount of their tail out maybe and then like curl it back in well, and that comes to and it's not all animals it's not all reptiles but like all of the stuff that people say don't need it like basically your zone anything that's ferguson zone one zone two lower uv output animals those animals have much thinner skin they don't have a crystalline structure under their skin to refract for refract refract reflect a lot of the uv back um an animal like a rhino iguana sitting on white sands in the caribbean at the equator at noon in july in limestone he yeah that animal needs to reflect some of that uv back or it's going to be a piece of burnt jerky in an afternoon bearded dragons with the black skin underneath exactly so but like but there was a study on texas banded geckos um and banded geckos throughout the day will put just their head at the entrance to their hole just so just enough light hits their head and they'll only sit there just the tip for about 15 minutes and then that's but that's all the uv they need is the surface area of their head for 15 minutes a day and that's enough same thing for us we only need about 15 minutes outside to get enough of the uv that we need to utilize because our skin is so much more transparent and and allows a lot more of that light to come through um, so yeah, that's why the cryptic basking with a lot of those species that people say don't need it. Well, they don't need intense light and they won't die without it, but they absolutely use it. And I, well, they do die. It's just slowly <laughs> over years. Right. But they can live long lives without it. It's just, we it's assume. a much, 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 much better way to have them with their lives. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel excited. Like, okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm not excited to install the lighting, but I'm excited to start utilizing it. And that's just because I'm lazy. I, I got a lot <laughs> going on. And so, um, but I'm, I'm excited to actually see some behavioral changes within my animals. And um, I, I want to uh, kind of dip into um, a project that um, the Retic Lounge, myself and Erica and Ryan with VivTech Products is working on. Um, about a month ago, we kind of maybe more than a month ago, um, oh, we 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 finalized um, kind of like a informal formal study that we're going to be uh, doing using um, VivTech products lighting. So um, let me just kind of explain a little bit about what we're doing, and then Erica Ryan, I'd love for you to give some feedback on this. What would you guys like to see within the study? And I know we talked about this a little bit, but I'd love our our, our viewers and listeners to be able to hear that nice us arc beanie um nate i'm just looking at them like how do we get one right every time i see it i want it nate we're talking about your beanie (laughs) um but um yeah so for those of you guys that aren't aware um i i ran into a pair of 2022 um pure Hera locality reticulated pythons um the wild caught animals that they came from um are not the nicest and um that reflects in these animals that i have now they are babies and so i'm not saying that they are mean but they are very defensive um and what i mean by that is like defensive to the point where they're terrified when i hold the female um she'll constrict me not because she wants to eat but because she just is so scared that that's all she does is just wrap my hand as tight as she she can doesn't know what to do she doesn't she's literally and i'm just like I'm not going to hurt you. Like I've done everything in my power to convince you. I'm not going to hurt you. So right now I'm keeping them in a tub setup because they're hatchlings and because that's what most breeders do. Um, you guys have heard my thoughts on that. I am moving out of that as soon as I can financially with getting uh, smaller enclosures for all of my holdbacks and animals that I keep that are babies. Um, but 
Focus Cube was nice enough to provide me with an enclosure that has two perches. It's your 2XL, so it's a 30-inch uh, length by 24 by 24. Um, so first of all, I was shocked by just the 30, 24, 24 with how big it was. I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Um, and so it has a shelf on there. It has a sky hide and it has VivTech products lighting. Um, and so what we are going to be doing is running a study on this female Halmahera that is terrified and defensive and a jerk to me. Um, she is, I'm going to uh, be putting her first in there for, um, I don't know, what would you guys say is a good amount? Like three weeks, four weeks in terms of like no lighting um, and just, just paper substrate, right? Just to kind of get used to it. Nothing different, right? So we'll do that for about three to four weeks just to probably see that her baseline of being scared is bigger because she's in a much larger enclosure now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then what, what we want to do so ultimately is I want to observe um, feeding response as a behavior, inquisitiveness as a behavior, and um, defensiveness as a behavior. So those are the three behaviors that I'm going to be looking at, taking notes on, studying, observing with this animal. And then after that time, um, of just no lighting, paper, and the hides in there, um, we are then going to turn on the VivTech bulb, keeping it bare minimum. Besides, yeah, insert, oh, right? Um, yeah, we're gonna, please, because it needs to. <laughs> right, exactly. So we are then going to turn on that VivTech bulb, which I believe I am using the jungle, what's the medium tier that the you guys have? Jungle cover. Yep. Jungle cover, yeah. So VivTech products has three bulbs. They have like a mild version of it that is meant for what, 8 to 12 inches? Yep, just about 12 inches of depth, uh, and that's our first call. Yeah, it can first call. can be further down, but that's just going to be zone one all right. the way down. So. Exactly. Um, and then they have their jungle cover, which kind of pushes it even deeper, about 18 to 20, 24. Eight, 24 and then for you bearded dragons and those of you that need uh high intensity uv spectrum lighting they have the midday blaze midday blaze that's awesome just like i I picture the the bearded dragon smoking a joint um but um is this the same one that parked in the handicap spot or the one that just (laughs) because he might have a medicinal script for that right (laughs) exactly I'm going to add to the pro scene here that uh, Nathan is um, looking at your products on the website right now, seeing if I can actually, <laughs> can I, can I get this on here? Is Are you it... spying on his computer? Um, no, I could see the, hold on. I'm going to transition here. I'm transitioning. Okay. So Nathan, go ahead while I talk. Just go through that that website. Um, yeah, they have a they have a great website. It's super awesome Dang to it. we to you. Have updated it. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Um, it just shout shows out it. to Justine Labello for creating this. Yeah, that's who that's who created our website. Yep. Yeah. yeah so that's your UV. That's your UV kind of output for the jungle cover. Um, and the top of that is at about four inches. Actually, about four inches from the bulb. Um, assuming that most people are going to put it in the dome and it's going to have a screen up there. So, um, but uh, yeah, your your basking distance for that animal Hold is going to. Before you go any further, it does say the word danger. It is not danger. Like holy crap, my animal's going to die if it gets that close. What we're saying is, if you have like a six-inch cage and you put it on there, 
It's going to be in zone four and five. And that's a little high for a like lot of Like all animals. the time. Yeah. Yes. So we are revamping the label to put zone four on there and then like zone five so people can see. Because almost all of our reptiles stay between zone one and zone four. And they're happy little critters. The danger is not like terrifying. It's the only way it's it dangerous is if you took your gecko and stuck it in a test tube that's that shape and then stuck that light on there <laughs> and never turned it off. Then it's bad. Well, then you're just a dick. Right. Well, <laughs> but no, if you use your UV index meter and you get up into that range, you'll get a really high reading. Um, there is no UVC or shortwave UVB, which is what you're trying to read with the UV index to see if it's dangerous. But there is UVB and UVA. And when you get that close, it's such a high rate because you're very close to the bulb that it spikes the UV index up. It's not an indicator that the lighting is actually dangerous, um, but we that could that cause an incredibly high uv output if an animal was sequestered under it and not able to move but again because it's a cone and a three-dimensional um uh, gradient these animals can move in and through and away from it yeah yeah but we're taking the danger is actually zone four okay um yeah and that makes sense to remove that um because i have seen people use your products and have snakes wrap around literally wrap around the light and they're completely fine um yep. so um anyways so Again, observations and, and behaviors I'm going to be observing is defensiveness, inquisitiveness, and feeding response. Um, I want to do feeding response intentionally because of that UVA. Um, inquisitiveness, because it's one of the biggest, like, if you were to go and ask on any Facebook forum in a retic group, like, one of the best things about retics, they will say inquisitive, curious nature, right? Yeah. So the, the paper is going to outline what exactly we mean by inquisitiveness. Um, and then defensiveness. So um, what I'm gonna be doing is after we turn that light bulb on, that's stage two of the um, study. After I turn that light bulb on, um, I am then going to, um, after a couple months, a few months, um, going to then just add repti chip on the bottom. So now we're giving it some texture. We're gonna kind of liven up the the party here in the enclosure and give it somewhat of a more realistic feel um, when it's on the floor. Um, and then we're gonna do the same thing, continue measuring those differences of behaviors. Um, oh, one thing that I do wanna note. So in the sky hide, it'll be bare naked um, for the first two phases. And then once we introduce Repti chip, I will be putting Sphagum, 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 Yeah, sorry, I messed that one up again. Um, it's an awful word to read. It, it is. Sphagnum. Sphagum. Um, I'm going to be putting that inside the sky height. So then kind of giving it that humid area to be in, right? Um, and then the final phase, phase four, is, um, and, and Lord help me here, um, I'm going to go bioactive with this. Um, I'm going to try to include one live plant in there. I'm going to get an entire um, ecosystem for this enclosure that I'm super stoked for. Um, it's going to be my first bioactive, you know, so I will include that in the study. If I butched it, if I messed it up, I, like they, I will have the information. I, we got your back. If you have any questions, we can walk you through all that stuff. All awesome. of our enclosures are bioactive. So, yeah. 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 Um, so then that'll be phase four that we'll measure for another three months or so. And the idea behind this is to do one. Uh, it would be nice to have a one year because at about one year from her age now, she's probably going to outgrow that enclosure anyways. 
Um, and so that's when it's basically going to end because then I'll need to upgrade her enclosure and that, that'll bring too many variables and changes, you know, that, that would impact the study. Um, so super excited to have you guys on board with that. And thank you again, focus cube for sending me that two XL enclosure. It's beautiful by the way. But, um, so for those of you listening in and you're still listening, um, we're going to be doing probably periodic updates on the podcast uh, as one of the episodes to talk about some of the findings that I'm seeing probably like after each phase we'll do like an update um, and yeah I mean so what I've talked about so far Erica Ryan any so well I have a question for y'all what what affordable realistic tool can I use to actually measure the output of UBB or UVA or what what's important to be measured like so- what what Oh, sorry. Go. No, no. I, I was just going to reiterate what I stated because I repeat myself over and over. I have strong feelings on UV readers. <laughs> okay. So no, I please, please. No, Stop. please. No, I, I want you to share because I've actually had some people that were like, oh, you need to make sure that you get these readers and these readers because you need to see how much they're actually putting out and if it's true to what the bulb says and, you know. Unless those people are telling you to buy a spectral radiometer, which will actually tell you the wavelengths between one to two nanometers. Is that the one you have on your website? No, that's the Ocean Optics. So we actually have one from Ocean Optics right now. The one we're talking about, the photospectrometers, they run between ten and $30,000. Yeah. Okay. And then you also have to buy a probe. That's and a special whole bunch of other stuff for, for it, things. Yeah. And then the cable and then get is it. also separate. <laughs> and then you have to calibrate every single piece independently and as a system. Yep. And you have to send it in for that. So uh, what anyway. I'm hearing is that you guys are going to be over at my garage pretty soon. Yeah. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll bring well, it over. It's well, easy. So the nice thing is, though, like this spectrometer we have is small. We're actually, it's small enough. We're actually able to be able uh, to, to do some readings. And we're hoping this next year to do some live readings in the wild. But Is that I'm the one? I'm just a little bit more nervous because I What's... don't want to recalibrate it because it's expensive to calibrate it what's what's the one on your website because i'm oh nathan stops oh you got it okay so that's just a uv that's a uvb reader um when it comes to reading uv wavelengths most people will tell you to either use a uh what is it the 6.2 or 6.5 uh solar meter so a 6.2 reads uvb um peak wavelengths around three at 300 nanometers uh and then it the 320 no, it's 300. And then the um, 6.5 reads the UV index. Um, the UV index, or the, the UV index or the UVI or the 6.5, that's a a formulae, formula, a weighted formula of UVC, shortwave UVB, and UVA that gives you a reading of how dangerous the light is. Basically, it was made by a Canadian meteorologist to tell you based on how fair your skin is, how quickly you get a sunburn. Yep. Um, the problem with it is, is that it's a formula the sun is pretty consistent in its outputs barring seasonality like every day if we went out at the same time and it was the same weather you get about the same reading it was based off With, of um like late spring early well, fall and, temperate but that's what I, no, but i'm saying is the sun is always has the same output yeah generally again barring environmental changes and weather changes and things like that but the sun generally has the same output so the using the 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 the, the six the getting the uv index for sunburns makes sense when you're using that same one for man-made lighting, I can trick it. And it doesn't totally read perfectly. I can, the lights aren't creating sunlight. They're creating different wavelengths that, uh, that are utilized by animals. 
and depending on how you position the wavelengths, you can change the the the, the UV uh, the UVI. So I showed that on another uh, podcast. I did the Animals at Home podcast. Um, I actually did it live. I did a a, a a, an LED that I got from China from some random manufacturer that looks really good under the UV index and the UV beam oh, yeah. meter. You would put it like right on your animal and not even care. But if I put it under my spectrometer, it's mostly shortwave radio UVB, radio spectrometer. It's mostly shortwave UVB and UVC, and it's incredibly dangerous for your animal. But it does have UVB, which is why the UVB reader be- reads it, because radio meters, which is what UVB meters are, they are looking for um, a certain wavelength. So they only take one part. So they're only looking for like the UVB part, but it's got like a gap of like 30 nanometers. So it could actually be saying one thing, but it's on like the super high end where we're looking towards the UVC or it could be on the super low end. You're not sure if it's actually the bio, if it's something that you can actually make vitamin D with. You might just have UVB. Yeah. Oh, Lucas, you're still muted. <laughs> it's it's the trend for 2023. <laughs> we haven't created bad. the Nathan, you're muted merch yet, so it's actually transitioning just into Lucas, you're muted. Man, first two episodes of the year, and I'm just getting ripped <laughs> right now. Sucks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so what I was going to say, um, I'm over here coughing to death. That's why I'm muting myself. Okay. So um, what I was going to say um, was to kind of reflect on what I'm hearing is that a lot of the tools that are out there that you can buy for 100 bucks, 200 bucks, I think it goes back to that convenience thing. It's going to measure only what you want to see it being measured. And it doesn't necessarily give it the actual range of how good the product is for your animal. Um, and realistically, what it is, is there's nothing made to check reptile wavelengths. What we're looking at is meters that are used to check sunlight and other scientific measurements for UVA, UVB, whatever, and for light outputs for in different industries for totally different stuff. There is not a meter that reads 295 to 310, which is where reptiles synthesize radio by. meter. There's not a radio meter available that it shows just that. It only looks at that. So... She corrects you so beautifully. Like, it's so nice. Right? Like, in, like a, in a very nice <laughs> like, way. Right? <laughs> not shut up, idiot. Uh, <laughs> that's usually... I say that to you. Not on camera. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, but no, so that's... Yeah. So... <laughs> so going with it now. So, but no, so that, like that's, that's the thing. There's nothing out there that's made exactly for us. So we utilize what we can. Uh, okay. When it comes to the UV index, what the UV index of the 6.5 meter is going to tell you is if it goes really high at 12 inches, you can expect that there's probably some shortwave UVB or UVC in there. But again, without a photo, a a what? Photospectrometer, I want to say that, but that's wrong. Spectral radiograph. Spectral radiographometer meterizer. Go. The $10,000 one. With the expensive one. You can see the actual wavelengths. Uh, yeah, no. So unless you actually use that, there's no way to know for sure. You have to trust the manufacturers and what they're util- and and utilize what you can to try and get as close as you can. But that's the thing. Everyone needs to understand. Every single meter reads differently. All of them are calibrated differently. There's Every no single standard. photo sensor 
works differently. Yep. There's no standard, and none of them are made to read reptile UV wavelengths. They're ma made to read the entire wavelength spectrum of that spectrum. Um, so we're not going to get a perfect reading from anything. Um, and, and artificial versus natural versus LED. And that that can also change how some of those actually read. Um, the one on our on our website is a UVB reader, and the reason we went with just the UV straight UVB meter is because the when you're looking at the degradation of a bulb, in my eyes, this is the best way to look at it. One, you can tell that it has UVB right off the bat. It's again, it's not perfect. It's not saying it has the perfect wavelength of UVB. It might end up that it's you know, a little higher or lower, whatever, but you're gonna get a reading from it. And from there, from most, if you are buying a bulb from a manufacturer in the United States, Zoomed, Exoterra, Zilla, Vivtech, Arcadia, like, any of those guys, anybody that's on a, uh, that's sold at stores, actual manufacturers, not random, who knows out of China on Amazon, if you're buying those, you, should, you, can, you can trust that those products have been tested. You should be able to trust that. Um, and then they should, and they should have Oh, graphs and things like that that um, will allow you to see where, what kind of readings you should get. That so and that UV meter right there, as that reads you again reads UVB. So what it's going to do is when you turn it when you turn on your light you, when you first get your UV light, um, your say fluorescent tube, you're going to use that to figure out the 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 UVB output at 12 inches away, and then you're going to record that. Over time, fluorescence, mercury vapors, and metal halides lose their UV output. It degrades over time because they're they're using up the phosphors inside that shift that wavelengths. It's a chemical process that burns them up, so they degrade over time. As you sound they, like you're an engineer or something. I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> so as they degrade, explain first why there are phosphors in there and why it's important. Shifts to it from you. That's a whole deep lighting talk. In a nutshell, you have to have the phosphors to actually create the UVA and the UVB. Okay. That's why it's important if they're degrading. Now continue. I don't remember what I was saying. Yes, you do. It was degrading. Degrading the bulb. Who was degrading who? <laughs> <laughs> so UV, using the UVB meter, you can get an initial reading. And then as you, every month, you can test it again. Test it from the same distance in the same spot. 12 inches to the bulb and keep track of that. Once the bulb reduces 30%, that's when you need to replace it. Now, the nice thing is, is let's say you have a lot of different animals and you utilize both desert style UV bulbs and tropical style UV bulbs. Uh, the, the desert style output, once it degrades 30%, is still higher than the tropical output. So you can take those bulbs and then just move them over to a different animal that doesn't need as high of an output on your fluorescence on your fluorescence on your vivtech leds you never have to replace them so you don't have to worry about it um but <laughs> that is and why that you never have to <laughs> well what well, once well, in four years you don't someone's gonna quote you on that yeah not never but <laughs> but um you're not you're not gonna get that degradation in six months you know you shouldn't see it over the lifespan of the bulb um, but that's really what that's for is that uvb okay. allows you to get a a range of how, what the output is when you first buy it and then a, a way to actually track it so that you can figure out when your bulb needs to be replaced because fluorescence, mercury vapors, and metal halides all reduce their output, can reduce their output to zero and still work as a light because you have, people have to remember, you can't see the light that comes out of that that your animal needs. And that's actually part of the reason that we really wanted to push with the LEDs because I think it's an insane fallacy in reptile husband. I think it's crazy. <laughs> the One of the most important things your animal needs to not die is a bulb that emits a light that you can't see that degrades over time that you can't tell and it'll still work when it stops working. Right. Yep. 
like that you're literally setting up every mom and little kid to fail like, right like why name i have yet to find one person who can tell me and all your listeners anybody name one thing that you replace in your house even though it works just like it the, the day you bought it and or you I, assume it does because you can't see the light it puts out so i don't even no... i don't even replace the batteries on my fire alarm <laughs> let alone like a bulb that it turns on it's emitting light why would you replace it keeper oh, come on did it again i don't know why yeah we're that, i think it comes on naturally when we need to cut you off ryan that's it that's <laughs> i have a button you just don't know it's like the oscar i figured it out i figured it out there's some kind of sleep timer on there or something uh, okay that uh-huh. makes sense um a short answer <laughs> so i, I want to touch on one more <clears throat> I want to touch on one more thing before we wrap up. Um, And this might be a touchy subject, but I want to touch on a study that was done by um, Licker. Um, Serena Wonderlich. Serena Wonderlich. Dr. Serena Wonderlich. Yes. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she's a lovely lady. I am so sorry, Sabrina. Or is it Dr. Wonderlich? You are very going to be amazing, banned very from the reptile woman. lighting group now. They're well, like, nope. no. We know I'm how Lucas that. was trying to remember the name now. <laughs> uh, right, anyway, yeah, so the study. <laughs> the study. Um, make t-shirts that say Dr. Liquor. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be one of those like cartoon face licking an LED bulb. <laughs> um. I'm sorry. Um, no, because I've, 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 I've gone in some of those lighting groups and she's great. Um, but, um, there was a study that came out that she did that, that basically was talking about, um, the UVB output that your, um, Nathan, I guess, decided to say bye. Um, oh, there he is. Um, so basically demonstrating the, the, um, effectiveness or the um let me pull up the actual study so that i don't again look like an idiot but um go so, past the summary page yeah past the summary page so 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 for any of you that like aren't big into reading um scientific studies and then you come across one um you got to read more than the summary number one because the summary is is, is yeah um because you have to make sure that what they are doing how they're measuring these things are actually scientifically sound um, because anybody can go out there and write something that really sounds sexy, but it doesn't mean there's any legitimacy behind it. Um, Not as sexy as erotica. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, le- <laughs> um, so um, I'm pulling up the, the, um, Nathan, do you want to, we've been sharing your screen. Do you want to try and pull this up so that we can, um, turn off your erotica. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'll just um, keep it hidden from you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyways, I, I will say that a lot of people have taken this study, um, and, and they've come back with thoughts on us doing a, um, uh, a affiliate sponsorship with you guys and saying like, well, this study states that they're not effective or that they don't produce enough UVB or they're not doing A or they're not doing uh, B. Now, I'm more than sure that you two know fully what that study entails. So rather than me sounding like a moron, 
Um, I'm going to let you guys kind of take over, talk a tiny little bit about what the study suggested, and then just I, I, I want to hear your guys' comments and feedback in regards to that because I, I truly believe in y'all's product, and everyone who's bought in your lights that I've talked to, tell me about the the massive behavioral changes that they notice in their animals. So you had just to direct right me on where to, to go. Summary, just so that I could have like a heart attack. Right. So this is actually a good study um, that was written about how, like, what she was testing for with lighting and you know things like that. We did tell her, and we do fully admit that this was our first generation bulb, and so there were some things that we have changed since then because we actually talked to her during the study and she would give us feedback and we go great and then we would make those updates I love so that. it wasn't like it was uh oh i did this and they don't know like we, we gave her, her the, we bulbs. the bulbs we knew she did the study That's, <laughs> um, yeah. but they are the old um generation one so they're not even dimmable these are the non-dimming ones um to kind of give you guys an idea a little bit the um the problem is, is that a lot of people are looking at the summary page because the summary is easier than going through, I think, want to say it's like 11 pages or something. Uh, yeah. 21. 21. 21. It's a very well written. Which isn't like, even that long. But it puts anyways. a lot in, right? It puts a lot into <laughs> it. But in the day and age of just wanting to take snippets of things, a lot of people were just looking at the summary and then unfortunately they were also looking at the bolded parts of the summary and the bolded parts tended to be the things that were a call to action this is we need to study more on what the uv spectrum you know what the actual biosynthetic side of the um uvb spectrum is what do they actually need in here What's not bolded is one of her biggest compliments that this is as close to UV from the sun as you can get without the detriment. That was awesome. That wasn't bolded. But calls to further your studies were actually the parts that were bolded. And those are also the parts that people really focused on, unfortunately. So thank you, now... IO Psychology. <laughs> yes. So yeah. now you can go on. I had well, to get now, that out. Okay. Or we well, now me. I can get into the specifics of what people are looking at with this study. So please. Um, the only thing in here that's negative and that can be taken negatively is that these bulbs are la the LEDs are lacking a, the wavelength between 310 and 335 nanometers, which through a stu one study that I know of, I've heard that there's more than one. There may, be, there may be one it. other one, but we're trying to find it. Um, that uh, there's it's 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 thought that those wavelengths um, stop the overproduction uh, or the oversynthesis of vitamin D3 and stop hypervitaminosis. Um, that so that obviously would be bad if your animal can't stop making D3 and become sick from it. Um, we haven't seen that in any of the animals, and I think there's a couple reasons for it. One, I'm not sure. I think that there, there definitely needs to be more studies done um, on what that actually looks like, what that, what having that wavelength or not having that wavelength does or doesn't do in long term to animals, um, because the study that was done just unfortunately and even through some of the, um, through some of the uh, uh, professional lighting people that I know um, and people we've discussed don't really agree with that study as as really showing what they thought it did. Uh, the way it was done really wasn't done very, I wanna say it wasn't done well. It wasn't a bad study, it just wasn't done the way it 
really should have been. There's a lot of a lot of room for improvement, um, and taking out a lot of variables that they weren't considering. Um, and that's really what needs to happen is what within those wavelengths what really happens. So the problem with LED and why it doesn't have those those wavelengths is because there isn't anything that needs those wavelengths. So we were talking earlier about how with reptile products, if you look at a lot of the products that we have, it's all products that exist somewhere else that we've kind of MacGyvered or tweaked or converted to work for reptiles. Or just put in a new box. Right, just because uh, unfortunately, while we think we see the reptile hobby as being this giant industry, it's probably smaller than just the industry of cordless drills. Like, it, there's a lot of things bigger than the reptile industry. Um, so unfortunately, the reptile industry by itself, the entire hobby doesn't have the weight and buying power to be able to launch huge new innovations. We have to find things that are out there and adapt them. There Maybe isn't poultry. there isn't a an LED out there that covers that spectrum really well um, because there's no specific need outside of reptile for it. Uh, we are working with our manufacturer on some potential uh, custom diodes to fill that spectrum in. Um, and then once we have those, we'll be utilizing, uh, we'll hopefully be getting those to some uh, friends to do some research and actually do a paper on the difference between LED bulbs that do and do not have that wavelength and what it does to uh, a diverse group of animals over time. Yeah. Um, so the more me... study needs to be done on that, or on, on that specific piece. But that is the only thing lacking in the, the the leds that is in fluorescent and other types um and it's basically a hypothesized thing that that could be a problem the reason i believe that we're not seeing the detriment that people expected to see from that so more study needs to be done and we're hoping to be able to move forward on some of that stuff and and actually be a part of figuring out what pieces of those wavelengths make sense what's needed what's not um and then being able to take that uh, and 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 insert that knowledge into those bulbs and keep moving it forward. Um, so that's a negative side. Now, like I was saying, I, I believe the reason we're not seeing a massive detriment from the lack of that wavelength, even if that wavelength is um, is important for stopping overproduction of D3, I think the reason that we're not seeing uh, hypervitaminosis in any of our animals as well as any of our customers' animals throughout the last year and a half, uh, almost two years of having the bulbs, um, is that they're spotlights. So the animals can move away from them. So mm -hmm. they're not stuck under that getting blasted with UV that's creating D3 without the ability to get away from it, causing them to oversynthesize. Like because a like a tube over an entire enclosure, if that was the case, that could be really detrimental. Um, but I think the reason we're not seeing that is because the animals are able to regulate their, 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 their UV. Um, but the other point that I wanna make that doesn't really get brought up, and it is brought up in that paper, is that this, that what, take out the lacking of UVB, this bulb has something that no other bulb has, and that's a wide distribution of UVA. All fluorescence, mercury vapors, metal halides, they provide UVA, but they're small, small slivers of intense energy that breaks through the phosphors. They're not a wide band of UVA that allows the animals to see it, that changes their behaviors. That's why you can turn our bulb on with your other UV lights on, and some animals like bearded dragons will actually look straight at it and walk right at it, even with all the other lights on, because that creates a wavelength of light that they can instantly see. While this does play, this does have a potential lack in, in wavelength, um, we haven't seen the detriment that is, I'm being told we should be seeing and is hypothesized based on that. I, I, I think that we can easily explain why we're not seeing that, even if it is the case that that wavelength helps to regulate D3. Um, but 
realistically, when I, I think the other oper other piece we have to look at, and no one's talking about, everybody's just talking about whether that little piece of wavelength actually makes a difference or not. Um, and it's all factual based on one study that doesn't that no one's read. Um, most people are just saying, "Oh, I heard it's bad and it's bad." Um, but that's we really need more studies on that. And and the other thing we need to look at is the massive benefit that the wide distribution of UVA brings to those animals and how it changes their health behaviors, appetites, eating behaviors, day-night cycle, every, it completely changes that animal's life. So, I don't know, to me, if I'm weighing the two, that risk is minimal, not, is, is minimal compared to the, what we gain on the other side. Yeah, so what you're saying is that, you know, it might not be the best production of UBB that's out there right now. And, 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 and fair enough, you guys are an LED bulb versus, you know, other bulbs out there. But the caveat to that is is you're providing probably one of the best UVA outputs that are, is on the market. And if you just remove UVA from the equation to just only get, like, I don't know, best quality UVB, I guess you could say, it, it's not going to have as good as an effect of having a good combination of both. So exactly. here's the other part of it. So assuming that phosphors, metal halides, and fluorescent, there you go, um, do have this wavelength. See, this is why it's just It's great. Like, has this wavelength, that doesn't mean that as the bulb degrades, that that's not one of the first to go. So it might be there, but we don't know how long it lasts in those other bulbs. So it could be something that just goes, we're yeah. done and it's gone. Or it could, they might only have part of that little area. So they might only have like one to two nanometers of it rather than the entire thing. So it's putting a lot of stock into assumptions. That paper raised a lot of great questions that I to would- be studied further. Yeah, that I would yeah. love to see because there's like, Eight that you can think of off the top of your head but unfortunately the interest in that that would allow somebody to maybe write like a thesis or you know get funding there's not as much interest in it um <clears throat> as opposed to you right. know what calcium yeah. supplement can you give <laughs> if you're right. in a unit if you're watching this and you and you know someone in a university that works in the biology department or you have a kid's uncle's nephew's son's best friend who's at school and doing Why research on them? something let us know we're looking for anyone who's I know interested someone. in doing actual publishable research and even if it's a white paper like granted i would love universities but even like what lucas is doing that he's got a, a knowledgeable background in the in the subject he has an understanding of the animals he knows we've in depth discussed what the what kind of behavioral changes he should be seeing what kind of things to look for um so many different things and and that's like the, if a 14 year old can do a paper and a presentation at the gecko symposium we believe in y'all yeah there you we can go. also do white papers if you have a question let us know we'll help you set something up we can give you better parameters just don't be afraid again a 14 year old he's 14 i think he's 16 at the time That's yeah, pretty awesome. if you get a chance the 220 2019 oh. gecko symposium when did we get it was october tinley um, Grayson right. <laughs> Offerman did a talk. I don't know if it's online or anywhere. You'll probably have to hit up Brian Cusco or somebody. I think they recorded it. But Grayson Offerman did a talk on uh, the 
uh, Lichianus geckos and the uh, differences in growth patterns between ones that were raised under UV and ones that weren't. And it's substantially super cool what he found out. Awesome. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. So like that, and that was something where I was at, a, it was when I was with uh, Zilla and I was at a show and I heard over the, the loudspeakers at Arlington, I heard, oh, young blah, 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 Grayson Offerman, 14, breeding lychee is gonna give a talk. I heard anytime I hear a kid's gonna give a talk, I'm there. I, every every kid that's a nerd about reptiles is my new best friend. That's why we love Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, sorry, other, not another Lucas. I was like, oh geez, you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> it's my godson. It's uh, rude. So there's a little kid that loves bugs and breeds mantises, and his name is Lucas. I know. Wasn't he the one at Arlington that went with uh, Adler to take pictures? No, that was our son. Oh, that was my nephew. No. Oh, okay. Now our son. The son. All right. Yes, so I'm not. So him. so I'm not the little kid you guys love. <laughs> no, we still love you, but you're not a little kid. And you're okay. childlike wonderment. <laughs> but, what? I'm pumpkins like now we're no, so Anyway, so Grace, I heard that he. I went in there and he watched him give his talk on lychees and how he bred them and kept them and um and his dad's a, a very well known herp vet and, and and friend so it was really cool to watch him and, and we ended up talking i went up afterwards people asking him questions this kid and i went up to him and i was like so i was just curious do you ever put uv on your lychees he's like no they don't need it they're nocturnal and i'm like that's exactly what i wanted you to say so, so like well if you're interested i'd love to send you some and if you do it if you do it, i want you to do a study just anecdotal put some we'll grow some with uv some without and just anecdotally tell me what you what you see well, he doesn't, this kid's a science nerd and his dad's a big science nerd and vet and they don't, he doesn't do subtle little study. He turned his entire closet into a, like a facility and had multiple oh little greenhouses and all this stuff separating them and different, like he, he weighed and did head measurements and stuff. His variable list was minimal and then he explained it and felt bad that he had so many variables. We're like, <laughs> it's like. It's like it was it was it was really really well done and really really well thought out um and at the end of it what he ended up figuring out was um and i think this is part of the uvb dva and ability to see it and stuff the animals that had access to uvb dva were more likely or they they started growing right away with leech especially with we breed leeches and you always with every baby for like the first month and a half they barely grow I mean, they eat all the time they just don't grow and no, then there's this huge spike and then they start taking off and you see that pretty consistently. With his study, he saw that too with the ones that didn't have access to UV lighting. But the ones that did, it completely cut off that stall and it started the same growth curve, but it started right away. Mm -hmm. That's pretty insane. And I, yeah. I just, I love hearing. So like every time that I get to talk to you guys, I hear about these new differences in just talking about lighting in general um, that, that people see on their animals. And that's what I think me and Nathan are most most excited for is to actually get to see them with our retics and be able to observe them and see the changes and differences. Nathan, does your cat see like a lizard? It's frozen. Oh no, it's moving now. No, it's, okay. she's just slow. So, okay. Like caveat, putting on high quality UVA onto your animals does not necessarily make them friendlier. <laughs> it wakes up their natural behavior, so, which might be to hate you. No, yes. and that and that's exactly the problem in hots. Actually, we found out. We actually yeah. had to alert a lot of the zoos that were starting to work with our bulbs. We had to let them know very carefully up front. Be aware, your animals' behaviors are going to change. Their alertness is going to change. Their feeding behaviors, their day-night cycle, how they utilize their enclosure, all of it. 
including how they react to you. So your animal that maybe maybe the Mangshan that's been easy to hook and move, all of yep. a sudden she's a lot more squirrely and alert and And she was. And she was. So like that's something that you have to kind of realize so too. That'll that'll be interesting in the study with this already really defensive snake that I'm 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 gonna be using. But there there could be the caveat and the inquisitiveness spikes up. Defensiveness might drop down a little bit, feeding response might increase. So I'm really excited to see that. But um Nathan, do you have anything else that you want to mention before we hop off no i think uh just mentioning that my plan with the bulb is uh throwing it into my easiest females enclosure so i mean we'll be able to kind of monitor the difference between i'd be curious to see because yeah for our spinulosis one of them became friendly it was like oh yeah let's go it let's was, play with the dog and the other two less... are just like up yours <laughs> the way yeah one of them's a lot more inquisitive and in, inquisitive nature and the other ones are a lot more territorial yeah they're a lot more structured oh. than what they're looking at but you still see that behavioral change you just see it in a more alertness and a behavioral change to be a little bit more ready to fly a little yeah. bit more flight or fight or flight versus this other one that was just like, well, but I'm happy now and I want to see what that thing is on the other side Nathan, of the Nathan, that's interesting. They actually hold their ground longer, so their flight radius is shorter or longer. No, shorter. shorter. Yeah, it's shorter because you can get super close. Even our t- that crocodile tag use we were talking to you about, because they have it, I'm suspicious that they can see you know they're like they actually make their own borders because with their pheromones and stuff and so i'm suspicious that they know like where that border is and they know that that glass is now a barrier not not because they don't see glass very well but i'm really suspicious that they have some pheromones that's smeared on that to kind of at some point they realize like nathan right at some point they realize (laughs) this part um really the other ones haven't figured it out yet uh, nathan you you mentioning you mentioning that with your nicest female and then you you guys start talking about that aspect i have a wild caught kalatoa retic that i'm wondering what the heck might happen um that's a whole different thing we take no responsibility no that's okay um (laughs) i've i've worked it's taken me a long time to get her to be the sweetheart that she is so um yeah, that'll that'll definitely be interesting. But um, guys, I want to thank you so much for both of you coming on, hanging out with us. I know it's past your bedtime. I know it's past my bedtime. Um, and um, hey, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, any so real quick, if you could just leave a little comment. So, well, real quick before I even do that, because I want to end with you guys on that. Let me just remind you guys, we have our Patreon. We'll drop the link down below. And, of course, like, subscribe, comment on these videos. Please give us feedback. Um, if you've used a VidTech product, let us know down below what you guys think so far. Um, and if you're not and you're using something else um, and you have questions for Erica and Ryan, where can they find you? You can find oh. us everywhere on the Internet. <laughs> um, VivTechProducts.com is our website. Not my, I don't have an OnlyFans. Maybe I should. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna need that link. Uh, and then you can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. You can message us there. You can find me and Eric on all those platforms as well. TikTok. Um, so yeah, pretty much anywhere. Pretty much everything short of smoke signals will reply to. I you. am getting better at texting people back. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really do appreciate you guys. Um, 
And uh, lastly, um, you know, as Nathan put on his USR Cody, do not forget to um, just continue to be an active supporter of USR. Go to the shows, go to the auctions. They're a bunch of fun. Um, donate money that that on something that you don't even need, but just for the cause. You you can literally walk out of that building and be like, "Here, want to ball Python?" They'll be like, "Sure." Um, but but some of our products five percent of the net profit yeah including even even off the ones that you guys get a discount on we're still donating the same amount to us arc as if you didn't get a discount yep there you go there you go i i'd love to hear that um and then um i want you to leave uh leave our our viewers and listeners with like a little motivational quote to kind of end in regards to your lighting and what you guys would like to see the industry move forward there hmm. <laughs> when oh, it comes to rept- when it comes to reptile husbandry my goal is always to try and get as close to nature as i possibly can so that i can observe the animals i love in the habitat that i wish i could see them in and the only way to provide them with s- true sunlight and uva that's going to give them that 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 the, the abilities to utilize their environments like that is by is by using VivTech bulbs and I, I it's not like a, oh everybody buy VivTech like yeah obviously I want that but at the same time really for me it's just been incredible to watch the changes in the animals the behaviors of the species that we're keeping has changed significantly in the past couple of years of using these bulbs um, and it's allowed us to just see some incredible incredible things like our croc tagus having uh, courtship behaviors which there aren't even there's eight of them in the United States to catch two of them courting each other is going to be incredibly difficult um, yeah. and to have been able to have caught that's incredible so like that's stuff that, that that comes with this light and the things that you're able to do and see with it and it's just it changes it's going to change how we keep reptiles and I think I said this to you Lucas when we were in Arlington um, it kind of hit me and I think this, I think is, said this, this is the this is the first reptile product I, th- I can think of that actively improves the mental and emotional health of your pets that was the quote that's the quote there you go. um but <laughs> i i i'd, I'd, I'd loved i i'd love the 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 statement um guys thanks again so much for um coming on joining us tonight and um for you listeners again thanks for the support and we'll catch you guys on another episode next friday